The apostle summarizes all the commandments and urges followers of Jesus that they are to love those around them as much as they love themselves. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans. <clears throat> you know what time it is, how it, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said to his disciples, About that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away, so too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. Happy New Year. It's the church year, the beginning of the church year. Advent 1, we start the whole year cycle over again. When I was a kid, um, of course, December is a really hard time for a kid waiting for Christmas. Um, My family would get each one of us kids one of those calendars, you know, that on the days of December there's a little door to open and a piece of chocolate behind each door. How many of you had those calendars as a kid, right? It's supposed to make the waiting easier. It doesn't. Because you know that there's chocolate behind each one of those doors and the door for the 25th is really big, so there's a big piece of chocolate. Waiting for a date like that is very passive, you come out in the morning, you open that, you get the chocolate, or if you're like one of my sister who would you know, wait till the afternoon to get hers. Um, but it's very passive. You just are marking time, looking at the clock, saying, okay, let's, let's get this going. We're not called on to wait for the kingdom as if it were a date on the calendar and we had to sort of be patient until it came. We're called to wait on the kingdom, to be ready for it whenever and wherever it shows up. This past week, um, Wednesday night at St. Thomas Holy Spirit, we had our Wednesday evening service. Some of you were there. It was a magnificent service. It's one of those moments in church that you just don't get very often, but it was just wonderful. We were there, um, Advent Episcopal, of course, St. Thomas Holy Spirit. It was in their building, so the Lutherans were there. 
And St. Stanislaus Kostka, the Catholic Church, many of their people came. And so we had three denominations. I was the preacher. The um, Lutheran lectionary for Thanksgiving has the story of the Samaritan leper. You know, in Luke's Gospel where Jesus heals the ten lepers and sends them off to Jerusalem. And the Samaritan comes back to give God praise, to give Jesus praise. And Jesus says, was no one else but this foreigner found to return and give thanks? Of course, he's got a problem. He can't get into the temple. He's a foreigner. So Jesus says, go show yourself to the priests. He realizes on the way he can't do that. So he comes back. And I talked about, so no longer do the markers that establish pure and impure matter anymore in building community. What matters is relationship to Jesus. And so here we are, Episcopalians, Lutherans, and Catholics worshiping together. Father Merrick from the Catholic Church was the celebrant, so he brought the Roman Catholic sacramentary. Um, There are also little books for con-celebrants. We don't typically do con-celebration in the Episcopal Church, but he had for Pastor Tom and for me a little book to do con-celebration, and each of us got our part to say. We very quickly before the service just kind of flipped a coin and said, okay, you do that part and you do that part. And we got to that part in in the prayer at the altar, and here's Pastor Tom, a Lutheran, who has to whom it falls to pray for Benedict, Bishop of Rome, Wayne, Bishop of Missouri, and Jerry, Bishop of the Midwestern Synod of the Lutheran Church. When do you suppose was the last time a Lutheran pastor prayed for the Pope? (laughs) It's been a long time ago. At the end of the service, Father Merrick kind of interrupted Tom before Tom could give the blessing and stood up and said, you know, I couldn't help but think while I was sitting here, if we had been able to do this 500 years ago, we would all still be praying at one altar. And it seems to me that the way to undo all of those years, all of those centuries of bad blood between us is to pray together. Not to worry about the doctrine, not to worry about that, but if we could come to the table and pray, this might be the way that we could undo that. It was a spectacular moment. Then, the next day, here at church, we had Thanksgiving dinner. 37 people came to Thanksgiving dinner. We had people from St. Elizabeth's of Hungary, people that Deb is working with through the SAGE ministry. We had people from families here, there, and everywhere. You couldn't count the number of churches that were represented. All sitting down at the table together. Isaiah has this wonderful image of what Jerusalem will be like in days to come. Jerusalem will be raised as the highest mountain to which all of the nations go up for God to settle their disputes. As we look at North and South Korea today and sort of the anxiety there, wouldn't it be wonderful to have a place where we could go and be sure of a just settlement of disputes? And all of the nations, according to Isaiah's vision, will go up and allow God to settle their disputes so that they can beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. The implements of war become the tools of agriculture. Our differences become our food. What a wonderful image. There we were at the table at St. Thomas Holy Spirit. Here we were at the table at Advent. Our differences 
become our food. This is the closest thing that we at Church of the Advent get to a feast day. We're not named after a saint, so we can't celebrate a saint's day. We're not named after an event like the resurrection, so we can celebrate Easter. We're named after a season. And so the first Sunday of Advent is typically what we take as our feast day. But Advent is one of those seasons where you don't have feasts. And so we don't have white vestments out. We don't get to pull out all the stops and and do a wonderful thing. But we celebrate our being here on this corner as being about waiting on the kingdom. We are a church whose business it is to wait, not passively for a date, but actively for the kingdom. The reading from Matthew reminds me very much of my teenage days in the Nazarene church where we believed in the rapture, that you know God was coming back at any moment and some of us would be taken and some of us left behind and those left behind would face the tribulation and all of that. We were millennialists or whatever you call that. I don't even remember. That kind of waiting is very fearful. It inspired fear in me. I had to be on my best behavior all the time because I didn't want God to come back and me to be missed. That's not what this is about. It's not about God taking us out of this world into some other world, but the kingdom of God showing glimmers of itself here. Isaiah's vision is not about heaven. It's about Jerusalem. It's about here on this earth. And so we are a people whose task it is to wait on the kingdom, keep the table set so that when the guests arrive, we can entertain, to keep our eyes open so that when the Son of Man shows up, we'll say, aha, we see it. This past Wednesday and Thursday were just glimmers of what that could be like, glimmers of what the kingdom can be. And if we keep our eyes open and keep the table set, we'll be ready to entertain that whenever and wherever the Son of Man returns. Amen.